Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. It's 8.08, third hour of Wake Up Mid-Missouri on this beautiful Thursday morning. Things warming up outside, and um, boy, I think it's going to get up to 60-ish today, so that's uh, that's good news. Along with Stephanie Bell and John Marsh, producer Hannah, I'm Randy Tobler. You hear me on the afternoon show here from 4 to 6. Hope that you'll listen in then as I listen in every morning. And I still am trying to figure out how you people get up this early every morning and do this. A I, lot uh, of naps. Thank at you. Least, for, at least on my part. I yeah. don't think anybody else does that. Thank you. We for, nap on the air. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. I know. I know. I know you're not. Uh, and thank you for allowing me to play in your sandbox today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, speaking of playing in the sandbox, um, if you're uh, wanting to put more sand in your sandbox, recover some of those tax gas taxes, you can do that with the Department of Revenue here in Missouri. Wayne Wallingford joins us now, the director of the Department of Revenue. Thank you, Wayne, for being with us. Hey, my pleasure. And I get up at 4 a.m., so I always like to get a fresh start. Oh, today. my goodness. What, do you get to bed at like 6 or 8? What is, uh, holy mid, cow. Mid, midnight. Really? Yes. Wow. Well, I was in the Air Force for 25 uh, years, so, okay. you know, uh, aviator, so you flew all around the clock. You never yeah. knew when you were going to take off. Yeah, I know so the feeling. Got being, used to it. Yeah, being in the obstetric game for a long time, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, you get your, yes. you get things mixed up. And I bet when you make your bed, you can bounce a quarter off of it, right? You're right. How did you know that? <laughs> ah, it's a military thing. I know that. <laughs> all right. Hey, so when I popped onto the Department of Revenue website at dor.mo.gov, uh, a little pop-up flash there, new forms for recovering your gas taxes are coming uh, coming around. Tell us about that. Yes. Uh, you know, since uh, Senate Bill 262 increased the motor fuel tax, which began October 1st of 2021, uh, we allow people to re- get their uh, claim a reimbursement from that fuel tax. So we have a form to fill out. It's a form 4923H, and it allows the recipient to fill out that form and claim all of their gas taxes that they paid for the previous year. So we were having a debate because I said I think a lot of people did it the first year, were kind of frustrated, and then I think people will stop doing it eventually. Um, but all my li- the listeners said, uh, you're absolutely wrong. I'm going to fill it out forever, and I'm you know saving every receipt. And, um, and it, they were calling themselves petty. I'm petty enough to want all of my money back from the government, which I can appreciate. Um, and so the question came up, do you track that by county? Could we identify which county is, quote, unquote, the pettiest? and as a percentage has requested the most money back? Yeah. We have actually a couple different uh, areas for it. The top five counties submitting highway refund claims, number one is St. Louis County, submitted Mm -hmm. the most claims, followed by St. Charles, Jefferson, Jackson, and Cole. Cole. However, (laughs) that being said, the counties that did not submit the most claims had the highest average claims St. Louis City County average claim was four hundred and forty one dollars. Wow. Warren County four hundred and twenty three dollars and twenty eight cents. Shelby average claim of one hundred and eighty five dollars and three cents. Lewis average claim one hundred and eighty one 
$5.50. And finally, Caldwell, average claim of $167.65. So you see, none of those appeared in the ones that filed the most claims. And those numbers, uh, the highest being $441 for St. Louis City County, the average across the state is only $66. So you can see that's a significant difference between the 441 and the 66 average for the entire state. So for those who haven't uh, filed for this or made a claim, uh, what is the mechanism? What's required? What are the minimum requirements to make a claim for uh, recovery of of gas tax increase? Yes, it's per vehicle. So if you have more than one vehicle, you have to keep track of each one independently. And you have to keep track of the uh, gas station where you bought it and how much gas you bought it. And you bought that in the day you bought it. And it's kind of cumbersome to tell you the truth, but you do get your money back and uh, you keep all those receipts to fill out the form. However, please don't mail them in. We don't want to have a whole room full of gas receipts. You just fill in the form. We trust that you're filling it out correctly and not fraudulently. However, we have ways to detect those things if they are, uh, but uh, we have, right now are trusting the people to do that. So, like I said, the average claim was $66, so not a big deal for the individual. In fact, uh, I knew someone that uh, had a business and told the secretary to fill it out, this, and they got uh, $65 back, I think. And she said, hey, next year I will give you the $65 if I don't have to fill it out. <laughs> We're talking with Wayne Wallingford, the director of the Missouri Department of Revenue on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Colonel, we talked to you so many times over the years and about this. Now that this is up there and you're in your days dodging Sam's and B-52s over Vietnam. Yes, exactly. So this well, we were I was joking with one of the state lawmakers the other day when we said the director Wallingford was coming on about this and they joked said well yeah the the paperwork is is in depth and uh, confusing because we don't want to he jokingly said we don't want to give you your tax dollars back we want to use them you've got it in the system now you've got a few years under your belt with this are people generally understanding how to do the refund the the first year. You know, in 2022, we had a lot of phone calls and people kind of confused. But this year, not so many. But the ironic thing is the first year, uh, and they were only going to get two and a half cents back per gallon, 16,218 people filed a claim. Uh, I think after going through that work, they thought it probably wasn't worth it, although it actually is worth it the longer you go because eventually – uh, you'll get 12 and a half cents per gallon back. But for 2023, only 10,742 people filed. So about 6,000 people less filed this year than last year. So I was right, I think, that people were not liking the process. But so let's get away from the number of people and more on the revenue. And so I know when this bill um, first passed, there were a lot of detractors. and But they attached to the bill was a fiscal note. And there were estimates out about how much this would bring in. And then you kind of subtracted how much refunds you think would come in. And then there was an overall number of an estimated impact to the state. I, I assume you're tracking this year by year compared to that you know compared to that original estimate what's that comparison look like well uh i think that they thought we'd 
pull in about $450 million from that tax, you know, eventually over a period of time. And we have been pulling in a significant uh, income from that, and it's really helping, you know, MoDOT with their roads and getting them fixed. And uh, ironically, only up from the money we pulled in, only $1.1 million. Uh, so far, we've collected $288 million has been collected as a result of the increase in the motor fuel tax mm. of you know, October 1st, 2021. That's substantial. That, mm. Yeah. And of that, we've only uh, refunded $1.1 million. So, you know, $287 million roughly went for the state highways, which is significant because they were in terrible disrepair and the taxes weren't keeping up. You know, they hadn't increased the gas tax. And, I, and I'm not for taxes, by the way. I'm certainly not for increasing taxes or starting new ones. But one of the things the state of Missouri is responsible for is the safety of its citizens. And, you know, citizens spend a lot of time on the road, you know, buses carrying their children to school, driving to work, going on vacations, and the roads and bridges were in, in terrible shape. And, you know, the, a, a dollar back in 1992, when uh, the last time it was increased, is worth, you have to have $2.14 today to get the same amount. And in the meantime, the cost of asphalt had increased 176%. Uh, cubic yard of concrete, 199 percent. Pound of steel increased 106 percent. So you can see, uh, you're only buying about 65 uh, percent of what it bought, you know, 24 years ago or so, or 31, I think it is. So it was de definitely needed, and you know, you don't like to increase taxes, but you have to keep up with the highway system and make sure that it's safe. Our taxes for fuel are still, I think we're still 29th in the taxes, and uh, the average tax across the nation, I think, is 25 cents, roughly 20, almost 26 cents in 2021, but I think it's going to be higher now because a lot of other states have also raised their taxes, and I've lived in three of the highest tax states, the uh, California, Illinois, and Pennsylvania are the highest tax states. I've lived in all three of them. Ironically, the lowest tax state's Hawaii, and I live there too. So, you know, no one likes to go to the pump and pay it, but you do want to ride on safe roads. And as a senator in the legislature, I would get a lot of complaints about potholes and the road conditions and congestion and all that. And I've read different articles that they say the average person spends $596 a year in repairing your car from hitting potholes or, yeah. you know, going off the side of the road because there's no shoulder. And uh, if you look at it that way, you say, well, the $66 I paid this year versus maybe paying $596 in extra vehicle repairs might be worth it. Yeah, and Wayne, I'm reminded that one of uh, one of uh, gov former Governor Mike Huckabee's big, big hallmark thrusts when he took office uh, and was to address the road and infrastructure uh, transportation situation in Arkansas. It was a really backwater state, and he brought yeah. commerce into that state. And I'm always reminded about that story. I mean, I think most folks that listen to this program probably think Huckabee, you know, gets a lot of things right, and he certainly got that right. There, there are certain 
indisputable and non-negotiable functions of government and, you know, maintaining good roads, right. not only for safety, as you say, but also, uh, you know, hey, if I'm a... If I'm a, a person doing commerce and running uh, distribution channels and needing that kind of uh, of, uh, of access, boy, I want to make sure that I I can I can have good transportation. You're right. So that's yeah, for so, sure. Uh, and of last course, last yeah, thing before we leave you, Wayne, yes. uh, I yes. did want to ask you about um, what wh- have you been able to quantify since online uh, retailers have been required to uh, compute taxes and charge them? Most do now. What yes. kind of revenues have you seen from that? Well, uh, we see a lot of uh, revenue coming in from those. I don't have those numbers with me, but uh, that's a significant number. But yet a lot of those are also claiming that because it is a significant number. Uh, in 2022, the largest claim was uh, $68,891. And this year it went down. It's only $58,923. But we do get a significant number from them. I don't think all of them are doing it yet. Maybe as it gets uh, more close to that 12 and a half cents, they might end up filing for that. But the ones that do, you know, it, it, it's worth their while. As you can see, 68000 58000 It's worth their bottom line. We also want to congratulate you on your recent induction into the Missouri Veterans oh, yeah. Hall of Fame. I think that ceremony was last week, and thank you, of course, for your service. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, that was a surprise. I didn't expect that coming. I'd been the MC for the previous three, so when I got a call again, I thought, oh, if they want me to be the MC for the fourth one, no, you're going <laughs> to be inducted. So I thought, well, I guess I can induct myself. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, Wayne, uh, we thank you for being with us. We know you have a lot of work to get to, and uh, we appreciate uh, how you're, you're running a tight ship there, my friend. I think that does speak to that military leadership and discipline. We <laughs> Thanks, thank Colonel. Thank you so well, very much, you. Colonel. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. All right. Bye. Take care. There is Wayne Wallingford, the director of the Missouri Department of Revenue. When we come back, it's Morning Bell, and we're going to miss that mark, too, Stephanie. I'm sorry, but there'll be some time for the Morning Bell. All See what's going on with the markets here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Saying whatever we want, Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Markets are looking really good this morning. Now, maybe that's a reaction to the Fed's holding yeah. the rate steady. I'm wondering. Uh, I don't know. Every, all three of the futures are, that we typically look at are in the green. NASDAQ uh, is currently up 1.25%. S&P um, 0.86%. And even the Dow is up over half a percent. So um, looks like it's going to be a good day or at least a good opening. Um, so there's a big case affecting the realtors. We kind of talked um, about this case a couple weeks ago when it first began. But the jury uh, sent a huge message to realtors. And that was a Missouri jury. It was a Kansas City trial, uh, federal trial, um, saying that realtors are li- liable for $1.8 billion in damages for commission inflation. And Randy, I think you were telling me, like, I thought it was just 6%. That's just what it was. Yeah. Um, but I, I've felt stung by the 6% before. And I always, as someone who bills by the hour, 
I, I've never understood that you just like get a percentage, whether you show it like once or 72 times. And so I know my poor realtor for my first house earned every penny and should have charged me more because I must have looked at 400 homes. I really, but like she probably took me through 20. I mean, we spent weeks on Saturdays and she was so kind and wonderful. And, and I should, she, I, sh- I still probably owe her like a fruit basket or something. 20 um, houses in Ashland? No, this was when I, um, bought my first home in Jefferson City. Oh, gotcha. And then when I came up to Ashland, um, they were selling like hotcakes. I was in a hurry and I think I looked at three homes and I had only spent about 20 minutes with this particular realtor when um, they wanted 3% of a much more expensive home. And I thought, wait a minute, but that other, you know, I'm like, this seems yeah, different. Um, and so uh, people went to court over this this 6% and said that realtors are basically colluding to earn too much money. I think, again, I think some realtors uh, should be paid more and others are probably getting too much. Um, but I think we can all agree, perhaps just the everybody gets 6% no matter what is flawed. Um, in my opinion. So, uh, it doesn't seem like a free market. It, it really isn't. <laughs> and so that's the question is how, um, you know, how is this going to affect the, affect you? Um, because you're like, I don't, I'm not a realtor. What does it matter? Well, this is about to change the way potentially how you buy and sell a home and no one really knows exactly how it's going to change but the wall street journal is offering up some potential uh, options one um, sellers agents wouldn't be able to offer commissions up front um, and so there's some negotiating there uh, again two buyers could pay their own agents um, three we might get into a flat fee situation where it's like a menu of things and you pay for various things it could be hourly um, but regardless we're going to see something new emerge potentially of course this case is going up on appeal but you need to be watching next time you buy your home maybe you have a little bit more negotiating power in the free marketplace missouri jerry bringing some change to the whole real estate market times are a change and it's wake up mid missouri with stephanie and john and hannah i'm randy tober words do matter when it comes to these guys welcome to wake up mid missouri Welcome back to Wake Up Mid Missouri on this beautiful Thursday morning, nice and clear, and it's gonna it's gonna be uh, sunny and high today in the sixties, right? Or low sixties. Isn't that great? It's wonderful. Wow, I'm yeah, I'm happy about that. Tonight mostly clear, low forties, so that's that's great, great news. Along with producer Hannah and Stephanie and John Marsh, I'm Randy Tobler. Pinch hitting today and in for uh, the host chair. Hey, now uh, I've got a I've got to ask you. Let's I want to play this sound concerning. This is Donald Trump. Uh, and this is uh, concerning this uh, this court case about in Colorado. Listen, is it playing? It it's, it, it's trying to. It doesn't want to play. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, what the hell? Well, that's okay. Uh, Stephanie, you talked about it earlier in the program about how this case in Colorado, where they're trying to take him off the ballot, and you know this this could have widespread ramifications. I think it's gone under some of people's radar. I mean, this could be monumental. If this, if he's taken off the ballot, there's initiatives in Michigan and other states too. There really are, and it's it's really interesting. They're trying to use the insurrection clause to keep him off the ballot, and Democrats are always really good. I mean, we got 
frankly, we got outplayed in some of the previous elections um, because they're always ready to litigate and they litigate early concerning ballot issues. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the election laws were changed because Democrats went to court early uh, in the last election cycle. So they, they've got an organized, you know, they're organized. Uh, they actually are pretty smart on this stuff and they are yeah. doing everything they can to prevent uh, us from winning. And they, they do it every year. And we've got to get we've got to make sure people know about it. We've got to make sure we're, we've got the resources to fight back on this and on other ballot a- access issues. And John, listen to what Donald Trump had to say about this whole this whole issue, and I'd like your reaction. If this election is rigged and stolen, if bad things happen, our country will not survive. If Crooked Joe and the Democrats get away with removing my name from the ballot, then there will never be a free election in America again. We will have become a dictatorship where your president is chosen for you. John, yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, that's, you know, I think that uh, reflects the thoughts of a lot of people out there. I mean, go back to January 6th and the and the protests and all, and I think there are a lot of people that are, you know, we talk to people like Jay Ashcroft and all when we have them on about election security, and a lot of the voters out there just flat don't buy it. Well, when you're, when you're walking around the halls of the Capitol and just, you know, hobnobbing around the city, do you hear legislators, their staff, do you get the impression that in Missouri, at least, they want to do all they can? Is there some collective consensus that they want to do all they can to maintain the integrity of every person's vote and try to avoid whatever interference from either party, for that matter, in trying to, to bias the election rules in one direction or the other? Yeah, I th- and I think for a lot of probably in in defense of lawmakers, you know that that's kind of presumed to be a given. But in this leading up to a big election year, I could see them wearing that heart on their sleeves a little more than you might imagine. And we see, you know, courts have always been hesitant to interfere in any way with the people's right or with the um, with uh, election results. I, you know, typically I don't deal with it as much on the candidate side, but certainly with the issue side, we know going into, for example, an initiative campaign, really the only hope is to knock something off the ballot beforehand Mm -hmm. um because if the people vote on it and pass it um you know it's really hard for the court to go in and say look the people voted for this and we are going to step in as you know a co-equal branch and and undo that i mean i don't think it's i i really don't think it's happened in i mean they will rule things unconstitutional but it's really hard on the process stuff to get something thrown out and so here i i think a judge would be really hard pressed to just keep trump off the ballot i mean the hope is that the people do the right thing that people can assess for themselves and i you know i think if we we go down a really dangerous path if Mm -hmm. you know if on gray area issues they start pulling people's names off the ballot and stephanie let's just say i mean because colorado is not exactly a a red state no and i don't i think this judge has some prior history of being voting to what is it called something blue code blue dem blue yeah well uh it's a blue pack right yeah act blue i think but uh trump's folks actually i think moved to disqualify her and move and and get her off the case but um that hasn't happened no 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 it hasn't but but if that happens and let's just let's just take a worst case scenario and do the mind experiment the thought experiment this, would the I guess it would go to this Colorado Supreme Court on appeal, or eventually. But then, can the federal Supreme Court can they then? 
I heard a podcast where there was some contention on this. And one one of the attorneys said, well, no, the, the Supreme Court is liable to just intervene and make a make some kind of an extraordinary intervention. Is you know, that- I could imagine that there is some debate on that. I would think perhaps no, because if you remember, I think it was a was it H H R one. You know, a couple of years ago, the feds were trying to basically nationalize elections yep. and the secretaries of state, including our own, stepped in and said, no, states have always had rights over elections. So there are certain instances, but this is a federal election. So I think there would probably be a debate about who has the ultimate control over the state ballot. Um, I don't know exactly how that would shake out. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I find it fascinating, don't you, John, that Donald Trump has actually embraced the politics of these various indictments, all of the tr- the trials going on in so many jurisdictions. I'm wondering if maybe he's just computed that he's going to lose one or more of these in court, whether it's about his so-called fraud uh, asset valuation or whether it is in this case being on the ballot or the more serious criminal uh, cases against him and it's almost as though he's just daring the courts or the judge depending on if it's a bench or a jury trial uh, go ahead and bring it on because the people seem to really uh, his stock price only goes up it seems like john have you ever seen anything like that in all your years of covering elections local state and otherwise boy donald trump's uh, you know kind of a kind of got a unique case going there and we like to joke and call them the ever trumpers or just uh, upping his poll numbers every time they turn around he does sound sort of like he's kind of daring the judge hey why don't you try and put me on house arrest and we'll see how that goes it's it's an interesting dynamic with the former president. Yeah, um, and and to bring it to uh, to a local uh, conversation, I I heard part of the conversation yesterday about the proposed um, development. I guess still looking for a developer of what amounts to a fairly big convention venue in Jefferson City. A lot of buzz around that, John. I maybe not everyone caught that, but I that was sort of that hit me out of the blue. I, I wasn't aware that was going on. What are you hearing on the street there? Are some are you hearing that developers are interested? Is the public excited about it? Uh, not which way? I think for I think for a lot of long-time Jefferson Cityans and this is we're talking about a half block square area where the city of Jefferson already owns a parking garage. They're talking about, it uh, looks like they've entered into agreement to buy the News Tribune newspaper's building, tear it down and build, looking for a developer to build a hotel and a conference center and a new public-private parking garage. This goes back to the 1980s, trying to get a convention center, conference center for Jefferson City. And they've shot down developer after developer. I think for a lot of people, it's back to the old I'm from Missouri. Show me line on this one. I think the word conference center in Jefferson City is much like the word roll cart in Columbia. It's like an <laughs> issue that just like can't get solved. Um, but I was I was actually really excited as someone who was um, formerly really involved in the downtown association. Um, you know, it's a, it, it, the city's been collecting the money for the conference center for a long time now. I think that I think yeah, there's millions, millions the stacking up that we're not spending. And so it's t- it's time to either. Do it or give this start, you know, eliminate that tax and give that money back to the people. I think the location that they're talking about is really good. It's obviously walkable. It's close to anything. You know, when people want to come to Jefferson City, typically it's around government or the capital. Um, You know, personally, I like the idea. There are some hangups and, you know, and just chatter. I think people are like, well, that's, you know, an idea I haven't heard before. So maybe that will fly. Um, The one pushback I hear right now is I don't know how many newer hotels we've gotten in the last, you know, couple years in mid-Missouri, but... I don't know that all the hotels that we currently have are 
helpful. And so well, we go back to the Missouri State Prison property where the uh, Chesterfield Group, the developers of the Broadway Hotel in downtown Columbia, were brought in by Jefferson City to be the presumed developer for that project. Then there are accusations of them dragging their feet, and the city dropped them as a developer. So. I don't know. Stephanie, maybe a question to you. Do you think there would be a lot of developers out there looking back at this might be a little hesitant to jump in? I mean, I think those developers, they have, you know, a pro forma sheet that looks at vacancy rates and can the city support, you know, and tourism rates and can the city support X number of rooms. So I would assume they would look historically back at our hotel availability and the vacancy rates or the occupancy rates, however you want to put that, um, and work, you know, obviously through the CVB, all of that information should be fairly public. Probably talk to other hoteliers there in the area. And it's a, you know, it's a bottom line number. And these people, especially, I think they said they're looking for a flagged hotel. Um, you know, they, they know what the number, what those numbers have to be in order to make something work. Uh, and, you know, I'm not in that business, but I know other businesses that use that kind of stuff and there's just there is a number and if it's one way it's not going to work if it's the other way you know and and so i don't know what those numbers are i'd be interested in maybe we need to get the cvb on and have them talk about the current state of uh that hotel inventory in jefferson city and how they see um the project shaping up all right well uh, it's an interesting discussion but again it's great to see that it is again bubbling up and there seems to be a lot more momentum than i've heard in a long long time so it's good good to hear and when we come back uh the CBO is making the argument that what the uh, Mike Johnson and others want to spend on Israel will actually cost a lot more than they're saying. Some uh, funny shenanigans going on in uh, Washington, D.C. with some computation. That as we wrap it up on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. 573-874-9390. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Their words are their responsibility. What you think, that's on you. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Here's a big old serving of leftovers. Enjoy. So we talked earlier about why this Israel package, which is relatively small in comparison to Joe Biden's, what, $110,000 Israel-Ukraine, Taiwan, uh, the border, uh, let's throw in a few electric charging stations. No, not really. But I mean, it just it's all bundled together. Maybe there were some, for all I know. I'd, I'd like to pass all these. And, and of course, you know, uh, Mike Johnson, in his first move, I think today they're planning a vote on that and then daring the Senate to uh, vote against it. And if they do vote for it, daring Joe Biden to veto it. And what I'm struggling with is in an analysis by the CBO, remember, Mike Johnson wants to take money from the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which we all know is the Inflation Expansion Re- Act from that IRS agent hiring scheme, mm-hmm. wants to take money from there as a pay for the because it's already committed and and uh, do that the cbo has now come out and say oh no no it won't cost 14 million dollars because the lost revenues from the policing and enforcement and recovery that the those agents would have done is actually going to now inflate the bill on this israeli support to 26 
uh, billion. Now, yeah, is that it, some circuitous logic or what? Oh, I think so. And what we know about these IRS, these extra IRS folks, is they're not out getting people like Donald Trump. They're not out getting the super wealthy. Those people, they are they're t- they're safe, right? They they have advisors and resources. Those IRS extra IRS agents are coming after people like you and me, Randy. Yep. And you know what? The government's not going to you know if they find a couple things that they're not picking up that much money on me. So I think I think the CBO thing is just. And complete hogwash and th- those irs agents wow. aren't going to pick up that much money <laughs> and, sorry and strong to, words i was trying to come up with and something to ex- john to extend okay. this even further i think they've underestimated and i'm my tongue's in my cheek here the revenues not only are they going to get tax cheats they're going to lose tax cheats if they take back these agents but what about all the extra money that lawyers like Stephanie and uh, CPAs are going to charge to defend those things? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, very often taxpayers are right. There may be a, you know, 50, 100, you know, a thousand bucks here or there. Oh, I don't have a receipt for this, but I really did spend. Okay. But I mean, in the big, big picture, you have to hire people to go to the IRS with you and defend you. So there's going to be revenues when those people report their income and pay taxes on it too. So, John, I'm going to make my big push here for a fair tax or a flat tax here. We wouldn't be having these arguments. What do you say? KJP, what was her line about politicizing national security interests as a non-starter and emergency funding of this type like they wanted to send to Israel is not usually offset with cuts? Well, let's, let's set a precedent. Absolutely. Do you have any leftovers on your plate, Stephanie? I do. Uh, on the heels of an announcement from the Desi uh, commissioner that she will uh, mm. be stepping down, uh, yesterday we got word that uh, Department of Corrections Director Ann Precise's last day on the job will be December 5th. After seven years, she plans to move on. She said she wants to spend more time with her family. Well, we hear that a lot. We do. I <laughs> I haven't heard much else, and I don't know that we will, but that is the official word. John, you have any insider information on these two recent resignations? Anything you've heard, uh, you know, b- behind the curtains? I haven't heard much street talk. The imprecise thing kind of came out of left field, but we do know from covering her since she started in Missouri in 20, 2017 after... Gosh, and then Governor Greitens had problems with the long-serving DOC commissioner before that. She has been at the center of plenty of lawsuits by not only uh, inmates and all, but also corrections officers over over her tenure over there. So, But we're not hearing anything other than her announcement of her retirement, officially. And in other uh, state... Uh, news and state worker news. Our friends at MoDOT apparently are going to get a pay raise. That's been tied up in court, um, and there was a decision by uh, Judge Walker yesterday. And the News Tribune is saying that the judge has approved the pay raise plan for MoDOT workers, which I think had been challenged. So, well, and you know, there's speaking of resignations. Uh, to go back to that whole thread, Representative Ken Buck from Colorado. Uh, on the heels of Kay Granger, who's, uh, she's, I think, 80-ish, so she's been in Congress uh, for a long time, um, both announced yesterday that they would not run for re-election. There's been several recent breaks from the party. These are, these were people who opposed sort of, uh, you know, I think the, 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 the conservative caucus members and a lot of what went on. Uh, Buck said he's been disappointed with our inability in Congress to deal with major issues. I'm also disappointed the Republican Party continues to rely on this lie that the 2020 election was stolen and rely on the January 6th narrative and the political prisoners from January 6th. Um, so, I mean, this is a Republican in blue Colorado now opening a seat. 
Mm-hmm. We have, you know, that uh, the same day, uh, this Kay Granger, who is, I think, head of the Appropriations Committee, uh, chair of that. There is a lot of, I think, infighting yet to be exposed in the GOP caucus in the House. It'd be a tough place to be right now. Yeah. It had to have been a tough place over the last month. And, you know, I, I mean, I just... I wouldn't. I think about the people, you know, people like our friends Mark Alford going to sleep every night and showing up and just feeling like you're hitting a brick wall. Yeah, can't even elect a speaker. You came there to do good. You've, you know, you've left a, a successful career, perhaps taken a pay cut mm-hmm. because you wanted to serve the people, and yet you get there and it's a complete mess. Ma- it's a mess. You're right. But is it is this really a far cry, John, from what we've seen in the Capitol in Jefferson City? Let's be honest about it. But there are there are real divisions in the conservative movement and the GOP. Oh, well. Very, very similar. Ask, ask Dr. Bob Onder about yeah. that one. <laughs> I think it's going to get hot again, and the heat is just beginning to get turned up on this election cycle. Hey, well, that's all for Wake Up Mid-Missouri this morning. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, John, for allowing me to uh, swim in the pool with you guys this morning. Who's in tomorrow? Uh, I'll be back. You're back. Yeah. Stephanie Bell leading the charge tomorrow. All right. Hey, guys, thank you.